Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share Home Threads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to HomeThreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Dinner and I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. HomeThreads, love where you live. That's HomeThreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As a resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven-roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Kids suck because you have to either listen to an enormous amount of whining and complaining, or you have to cook three meals, or four meals, or in my case, five meals. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Hey, guys. (laughs) We're just so excited to talk to you about picky eating. We're talking over each other now. Hey. Before we get into picky eating, because I know it's a very, like, all-encompassing subject, we want to make sure that if you haven't already, you take a moment to hit subscribe wherever you're listening to us right now. That way you don't miss a single thing. And because we know you're feeling generous, you can rate and review, too. It helps us a ton. Plus, we know what you like to listen to based on your ratings and reviews. And now we can jump right into picky eating. This is a funny subject because we've actually done three episodes on it. Is that and true? And I think so. We've oh, done wow. at least two, right? I, I don't we know. We had our friend Debbie of yep. Parents Need to Eat Two on, and we had Andy Palagin of Yummy Toddler Food. Yeah. Were those the same episode? But I'll tell you, because we, we do so many episodes, Megan, it's hard to keep track. We have both also written ad nauseum about this. Yes. We deal with it in our real lives. We People ask us about it. So it's just kind of always out there. And, you know, what we tried to do in today's episode is talk a little bit about what to do, kind of in a funny way, because there really are no one-size-fits-all answers, but what to do when people are commenting on your kid's mm-hmm. picky eating. Not so much. We don't have solutions. There aren't any solutions. <laughs> There's some comfort in today's episode. And there's also like we give you some tips on like how to respond to people when they comment about it. 
it's funny, and we get into this a little bit with Amy and Margaret, but it's hard to give picky eating advice, right? Like what works for one person doesn't work for everyone else. And even though we do it, we write about it, we talk about it here on the podcast, we talk about it in real life. Like I have friends be like, oh, my kid won't eat X, Y, Z, what do I do? Um, And so I'll offer advice in that instance when it's asked for. Yeah. So it's funny to have a conversation about like what to not do when people have picky eater. (laughs) Yeah, it's like an episode on how to shut up about picky eating. And we're like, but wait, our bread and butter. (laughs) And yet we talk about it for 45 minutes. Yes, exactly. So many layers of confusion. (laughs) I do think people should go back. We'll link to in the show notes the episodes where we've talked about picky eating in, in whole or just like in part. But I think it's good to give like a brief overview of like what we have said before and what we think, which is... All of us are playing the long game. Like your kid is not going to always be a picky eater. Even if it takes until they're a teenager, they will try other foods. And the most important thing you can do is like not stress about it because every time you stress and you create conflict around food, you give the food power and you take the power away from you as a parent and also from your kid who deserves some autonomy around what they put in their body, right? Right. But then also there is this aspect that if your kid is a picky eater to a level that you consider extreme and it's upsetting you, if you want something to be done, it does take time, effort, consideration, and just a lot of emotional investment, honestly, (laughs) to try to steer them away from that. And you shouldn't feel ashamed. It's not about your parenting. It's nothing you did. You always have your doctor. You always have us. You can join our listeners group and ask us questions. There are a bunch of nutritionists now who actually specialize in picky eating. There's a ton of research because there are things you can do. But I think, Megan, what you and I have really concluded from talking to so many experts over the years and kind of being in the trenches is that the things you can do are about managing the emotional stress and strife around picky eating. And then also making sure that they get the nutrients they need, which is often really different than what you think they need. Right. I love to share the piece of advice that a pediatrician gave me once when I was worried about my kid who was for sure not a picky eater, was just a toddler who was like exploring food and maybe being selective sometimes, which is You know, don't look at one day and feel like you failed. Look at a whole week and what your kid is eating. There's probably a lot of variety. Um, And also, our kids don't need to eat that much diversity to actually get the nutrients that they need to live and thrive. Yeah. And, you know, even if the week sucked, (laughs) we (laughs) also know. Right. And we also know that there can be months, you know, where kids don't eat very well and then it will shift and it will change. So, you know, that's something to consider. I do also want to say, because I think Amy and Margaret kind of touch on it without saying it explicitly, and I don't think enough people talk about it, that there's picky eating, right, that's developmentally appropriate, has like a scientific explanation behind it, evolutionary explanation behind it, that's just about like power struggles and all that kind of normal stuff. And then there's picky eating that is part of sensory challenges, learning challenges, behavioral challenges that are really tied to other things, anxiety. And, you know, that's not your kid just being 
<laughs> trying to make your life hard. Like they have opinions. It can really stress them out to try new foods sometimes. And those are very real emotional feelings. And so, you know, you have to figure out what's right in your family for how to approach that and deal with that. But it's, you know, it's annoying, but they're not being annoying on purpose. Unless sometimes they are. Right. JK, That's JK. what I'm saying. Like sometimes they are, but let's not forget that there is this whole other category of kids that that normal advice, A, doesn't work for. True. And B, that whole like, just feed them. They'll get hungry eventually. Or like, they're just having a power struggle. Like you have to show them who's in charge. Like that's actually not what's happening for a yeah. whole lot of serious picky eaters. Yes. And implementing strategies that come from that mindset really kind of only backfire and increase anxiety, increase the power struggle, make your kid feel bad. It's a time when maybe Google isn't your friend and you should reach out for real professional help if you're really like hitting the wall and there's a lot of emotions around food. Sometimes you need another person to help you out. And sometimes it's not us also. (laughs) That's true. But sometimes it can be Amy and Margaret. Yeah, they're pretty Especially if you want to laugh. Oh, because do we sometimes need a laugh and a glass of something? Oh, yeah. So, you guys, you have heard us say this before, but Amy and Margaret are hosts of a podcast called What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. And seriously, I laugh the entire time I listen to any of their episodes. They are hilarious. It's one of our favorites. And each episode, Margaret and Amy basically discuss a parenting topic from their usually completely opposite perspectives. Hence the humor. (laughs) (laughs) Amy Wilson is an author and is the woman behind Motherload, a one-woman show which she toured in 16 cities after its hit off-Broadway run. She's also appeared as a series regular in Daddy-O on NBC and Norm on ABC and is a sketch comedy genius. I mean, she's a comedy genius all around. And Margaret Abels is a comedian and writer whose work has appeared on MTV, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, PBS. She was the head of video production for Nickelodeon's mom-centric channel, Nick Mom. Remember that, guys? I remember that. And she's written for other kids' shows. She also teaches improv and public speaking in correctional facilities for the nonprofit organization Rehabilitation Through the Arts, which is so freaking cool. Welcome, Amy and Margaret. Ladies, thank you so much for coming on. We are to talk to be here. about our favorite, favorite topic. Not really. Picky eaters kind of suck, don't they? Picky eaters was our first topic ever. <laughs> episode one, because it's like top of the mountain, as Margaret likes to say, for, for every it really parent. Is. It seems like no matter how many times Megan and I have covered this topic, people want more. And I'm being a little tongue in cheek when I say they suck. We we love all children here and didn't. <laughs> oh, I we hear you. you. We understand exactly <laughs> what you mean when you say they suck. <laughs> okay, so why do they suck? Why it, do they really suck, or do we suck for like caring so much about it? Like, maybe oh, they suck. Fine. Let's be clear, they yeah. suck. It's not us. <laughs> not us it's them it would be fine if we could deal with the picky eating without getting the judgy mcjudge a lot whenever we're somewhere with the kid right somebody who's like oh well i i just tell him to eat eat what was on his plate and then it's fine usually said by somebody who has never been in such a position i feel like that that's the hard part about it not the actual picky eating Totally. But then doesn't that mean other grown-ups suck and not the kids? <laughs> I'm going to go back to my original uh, point of view <laughs> like that this. kids suck because that's my brand. Yeah. But um, 
the problem, Amy makes a good point. That is a problem. And adults also suck. But kids suck because you have to either listen to an enormous amount of whining and complaining <laughs> or you have to cook three meals or four meals or in my case, five meals. Or just always have rules. Always, always. Rules. I, many Thanksgivings. I had a you know, kid with a quivering chin whenever anything unfamiliar was served. And he just ate like six dinner rolls at Thanksgiving. Yeah. But can I be honest? I'm not a picky eater. And like most Thanksgivings, I just want to eat six dinner rolls. (laughs) Rolls are delicious. They're onto something. I mean, I think they're just smart. Um, Okay. Wait. So Margaret, you have three kids. I have three kids. How old are they? 11, nine and seven. Okay. And would you just turned eight? Would you classify them as picky eaters? I have one extraordinarily picky eater. I have two medium picky eaters. And I will say my nine-year-old, I'm realizing this year, is becoming a much more adventurous eater just completely on his own. I love it. You did nothing. That's the kind nice. of parenting I'm, I can stand behind. That's my, that's my specialty. Yes. <laughs> um, Amy, how many kids? I have three kids. My kids are 12, 15, and 17. And it was... Oh. So like... I come from the land of the future, and I'm here to tell you, <laughs> my 17-year-old is the one who ate six dinner rolls for five Thanksgivings in a row, and he is now six foot two and eats anything you put in front of him, shovels, plates, and plates of it, and then finishes whatever his sister didn't eat, and then finishes whatever I didn't eat. Like, can't get enough of it. So, so change is possible, and a new day is coming, and I don't really think I did too much except allow my child to go into puberty and become so hungry that his <laughs> that he couldn't know. help himself. Yeah, um, he had to lower his standards quickly. So my husband is 6'4 and is a very adventurous eater and loves food. Like every time we've been on the brink of divorce, we're like, let's just go get a nice dinner together. And then we like convene at a restaurant and we're like, oh, yes, we love each other and we love food. And this is all good again. <laughs> my husband and I always say food will save us. We'll yes. always have food. <laughs> yes. Like some people are like, we'll always have Paris. We'll always have food. That's exactly. That's exactly what he and I have. But when he was young, he was so picky that they had to give him enriched pasta just to like get, you know, he was clearly growing. I mean, he was 6'4 by the time he was, I think, 15. So, but it was like carrot sticks, salted peanuts, pasta, one brand of sauce. Like that was it. Oh, I love stories like that. It makes people feel so much better and they should. Yeah, they should, right? My brother-in-law, at some point we went to a restaurant and they were like, what don't you eat? It was like a farm eat to table kind of like we just bring you food kind of restaurant. There was no menu. It was fancy. He's like, I just don't eat um, eyeballs, tongue. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not he's, he's like, I'm not huge on like awful like the, yeah. you know, cast off organs. Yeah, totally. And I was like, wow, like I'm, I'm a couple exits back from there. Uh-huh. And he for two years of his life only ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yeah, it does. It does turn around. I mean, we did have a guest once who was like, my kid has been picky since the beginning. He's 13 going on 14 and he's still incredibly picky. But I still think there's time for it to just turn around on its own. Oh, I agree. And my I will say my sister was like the pickiest eater ever, only ate like chicken. She wouldn't eat pizza. She only ate chicken. She wouldn't eat pasta. I mean, she really, really was picky. And she's grown up to be a not crazily adventurous eater but she now eats like this is my college with amy introduced my sister yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) i knew the sister in college she was picky 
Yeah, she still won't eat like seafood. I mean, she's pretty picky still, but she her her foods have gone from like three to like three hundred fifty still. Uh-huh. But they're not there. She's never going to get to thirty five hundred. Do you think that your mom leaned into that, Margaret? So she, I know she did because my mom was raised in a family, very strict Irish Catholic family that they had to finish every single thing on her plate. And she talks about like her miserable memories from childhood are like sitting in front of a plate of liver and like sawing it and knowing it was a liver and like being super grossed out and like choking down bites of liver. And so she was very big on the thing of like, I'm never going to make my kids eat things they don't like. But she did create some pretty picky eaters. And she might have she might have swung the pendulum back a little too far. (laughs) No offense, mom. You're awesome. I, that was my question too, because I'm I'm not so sure she could have. Or, I mean, if you go into adulthood and you really, because my husband's parents like totally fed into his picky eating. Nobody ever challenged him. Nobody cared. They were just like, as long as he's getting protein, like he's fine. And now he's done a you know 360. So I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that your mom had anything to do with it. Like some some people are just picky eaters. I think you could probably move stuff around the margins a little bit. That right. like, but Amy and I have said this before on our podcast. Like people who say to you, like they'll eat when they're hungry. I mean, I have a kid who veers into more of like a sensory area around food. Yes. He will not eat when he's hungry. Yeah. Like I don't know how hungry he would have to get to eat. I'm trying to think of like a really forbidden food for him, but like there's a million of them. Like he doesn't eat eat mac and cheese, for example. I don't know how hungry he would have to get to eat that. Pretty hungry. What's his objection to mac and cheese? I mean, well, I don't know because as Amy, as you know, there is the one rule that has really helped picky eating in our house is that you are allowed to talk to any about anything at my dinner table within reason, except for the food. You're not allowed to talk about the food at the dinner table. And it has been such a game changer. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if you don't like it. We don't talk about it. So like we talk about our day. I don't monitor how much you eat. You don't talk to me about why it's gross. That is absolutely genius. I have to say I stole it from my sister-in-law, but it has been the one thing that has like really made a positive difference at my dinner table. Okay. This looks gross. This looks like throw up. This looks like bat barf. I don't like this. Why is this weird? So, Amy, I don't know why he doesn't eat mac and cheese. I just noticed that he doesn't eat it. (laughs) This speaks to me because one of the things that I always say is that we're not trying to raise kids who eat kale or who eat quinoa. We're trying to raise kids who have a healthy relationship with food, whatever that food is, that they, you know, understand how it works in their body and they can get that from science class (laughs) if you don't want to deal with that piece of it. And that I, I think that. So much conversation, which often turns into strife at the dinner table, is what ends up leading to psychological food issues. And that, you know, if they eat kale, but they have an eating disorder, like, have have we done the right, you know, like, that's, you're going to feel just as terrible, just as guilty. Like, it's, let's not talk so much about food. Put good, healthy foods, a range of them in front of them, in front of your kids, Give them options. That's how you can encourage them. You know, if it works for you, talk to them a little bit about how what food does for us, that it gives us energy, that it makes us feel good. And then like, that's it. Like, that's all we have to do. But you do have to, I think, I, I have a kid. This is not picky eating, but it was like a, sensi- 
a sensitivity thing. He doesn't want to share ice cream or like he doesn't want a sip of your drink. He doesn't want a bite of your ice cream. He won't share food. He finds that very stressful. And what I learned from this about a professional is that we had started to be like, no, 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 don't offer him ice cream. You know, he doesn't like that. Oh, he'll never take a sip of that. Don't even ask him. She said, always ask him, always present it. Keep saying, do you want some of this milkshake? Because one of these days he's going to really want that milkshake. And I'll be like, "Eh, okay. And I'll take a sip. And you know what? It worked. It worked over time. We've helped him address that. You have to be the one pitfall, I think, with a picky eater is they don't have to eat kale, but they need to be okay with kale being on the table, right? Absolutely. You can't start to accommodate too much. Absolutely. So I totally agree. Like offering a range of foods is a key part of this. And I also think personally that modeling good eating is important too, because to be like, oh, you know. But that part's hard. We don't want to do that. I, know, but- I don't want to eat kale every night. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, then I guess we don't complain about it. Like, you know, if you want your kid to eat a certain way and it's not a way that you eat, I don't know how that computes. Like it doesn't, unfortunately. I mean, we we get we come back to that in so many things. Like, unfortunately, the bad news is your kids, 90 percent of their behavior is going to be your own behavior reflected back at you. And that stinks because it's fun to talk about people behind their back and it's fun to eat Twinkies <laughs> and it's fun to watch TV for eight hours a day. But like you can't do one thing and then tell your kids to do something I else. Agree. Unfortunately, I agree. If yeah. we can work around, if we can find a workaround, we're going to definitely get on it because I would love it if you could. It's called yeah, like, it's a, like secret a billion club. dollar idea. Oh, yeah. that's a billion dollar idea. This occurs to me, though, like when you're saying like we need to model better eating, I think like one problem might be sort of the way we eat today is that at least in my house, but in many other households, I know like the kids are in their high chairs or their little, you know, booster seats or whatever, having their chicken nuggets and frozen broccoli at 6 p.m. And then you and your spouse are like, you know, choking down whatever you can find in the refrigerator when your spouse comes home at 830. And so these kids who are one and a half and you're making them a grilled cheese every night because that's the only thing they'll eat are not seeing you parent eating a healthy salad because who has time for that? And so they don't like I'm trying to think about my kids when they were little. They didn't see me eating kale. They didn't see anybody eating kale. They saw what was on their own high chair tray. And that that's where you can get a little stuck, I think. Yeah, I do think, you know, there. Megan and I talk a lot about there being seasons of parenting. And like we can't accomplish everything in every season. Like there's no perfection. There's no like, oh, we've crossed the line and I can't go back. So if, you know, that's the season of life you're in, eventually there are opportunities to sit around the table as a family. Maybe it's dinner, maybe it's breakfast, maybe it's lunch. Maybe it's just on the weekend. If this is your priority. I mean, that's the other thing (laughs) is that like, if you don't care, then you don't have to care. Like there are things about parenting that I care about less that I just don't put my energy into. So this is not, in my opinion, like a end all be all where it's like, you have to model better, you know? It's like, well, if this is what you're telling your kid, if you want it to really stick, then model it whenever you have the opportunity to model it. If it's super important to you, well, then figure out a way to make time to eat in front of them. Well, and I also think there are actual like seasons of every year as well. Like I know in the summertime, we often like go to the pool, get some chicken nuggets, take off our swimsuits, crawl into bed. Like we know in the summer, our eating is maybe not as good. I know in December around the holidays, I'm often like it's pizza three times a week. Like, 
I think there are lots of times, but we kind of know that our ideal is like Sunday. We have dinner usually with some like extended family members. Three times a week, I try to cook a meal. The other two nights, it's like quesadillas or grilled cheese or something simple, or we get a pizza or we get takeout. Friday nights, we usually have fast food. That's how we roll in my family. So like we have some markers, but we know where we can get back to what our basic healthy eating pattern looks like. But there may be four weeks in a row in the summer where we never eat a meal that we're not standing around outside, you know, and that's okay too. But we know in September, we try to kind of get back to our good basic pattern of eating the majority of our meals together. And the majority of those meals are cooked from scratch. And I think this gets us back to why we all got on the line in the first place, which is like, stay out of people's business. (laughs) And because we're all doing it differently. We all have slightly different priorities. What healthy is to one person is different to another. And we can't judge each other or we shouldn't. I'd like us all to stop. That would be really nice. And we all have judging different schedules. Judging people is so fun. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> It'd be like a parent party. You know, we all have different budgets. We all have different lifestyles. We all like what you're saying makes sense to me, but might play out completely differently in my house, you know, where my markers are and what healthy eating looks like when we get back to it. Who knows? So what do you guys do when people have so much to say? Mm. Right. Cause we can't all eat every single meal in like the bubble of our little family at home. Like you're saying, sometimes you're out or sometimes you have extended family coming to your house and boy, do they have a lot of opinions about how you feed they your do. kids. You could just not invite them. That's true. <laughs> I guess that's not realistic. This is related to like the thing I was saying before about beware of leaning into the messaging of like, oh, this is my kid who, you know, won't have a sip of my milkshake because he never does. Beware of that. You have to be very careful, I think, with my picky eater who is no longer a picky eater, thank goodness, but I remember it well when family members would say in front of him, oh, he won't eat. He doesn't eat anything. Stop being such a picky eater. They would label him and talk about it in front of him. And... I think inadvertently reinforce it by discussing it. Even say in front of this kid to younger uh, relatives, you need to eat up or else you're going to be like this one who doesn't eat anything. <laughs> and and it was it was at a point in, in, in this yeah. child's life when he was kind of coming out of it, but like way to, way to reinforce the, the negative uh, stereotype. Um, they don't, they're not doing it to be difficult. Like this kid, he had colic as a baby. He was a very difficult newborn and eating hurt when he was a baby. And I think that carries through. I mean, there's studies that really carries through for some of these kids into their um, toddlerhood and beyond that new foods stress them and they have a good historical reason for being that way. Anyway, it made. It, I think it made things worse to have people inadvertently trying to be helpful, just reinforce the idea that he doesn't eat anything. Yeah. So what did you do in those instances? Like, what would you say to someone who's making comments? I would say something like, well, you know what? He's not a picky eater. He does this. And I would I would pick up on. Of course, I was working on it. Right. We were I was writing new words on the he decided he liked blueberries. And I put the list of foods he liked on the refrigerator and he liked seeing his list get longer. And so I would lean into like, oh, he eats blueberries now and he likes this. This same kid. We were once at somebody's house for dinner and they were going to feed the kids before the grown-ups. And they said to this child, um, Connor, what would you like to have for dinner? And he said, well, I eat all sorts of chicken nuggets. And he was very, <laughs> That's very so proud. Cute. So magnanimous about way. it. That's right. So like cute. any sort. 
any sort. He's like, I've expanded to three brands yes. now. So I will eat dinosaur shaped, <laughs> finger shaped. Exactly. Yeah. And we and we didn't start that way, right? When he was two, it needed to be the dinosaurs, Purdue dinosaurs only. But anyway, I, so from where he stood, he's like, I, I eat more foods all the time. And, and I felt like that was the best way to sort of counteract that is to let him hear me saying in front of them, you know what, he's really working hard in this and he does this and this and this now. Reinforced that, in fact, he was trying new things all the time, even if it wasn't so true. It's just a, such an encouraging technique to pull out the things that he does eat so he can feel like empowered. And that's a great tool for anyone who has a picky eater. Like start a list of the things that you, that you do eat and you might be really surprised. Like maybe they don't eat kale, but they do eat 10 other fruits that other kids aren't even interested in. Yeah. And the foods they eat. I mean, do you guys find the, the foods that my picky eater like allowed on his very short list were so like edamame, ratatouille, um, scallion cream cheese. These were the, these were like on his list of eight foods he'd eat were some truly random specific things. Uh, blueberry muffins, you know, and they so you could extrapolate from that some other things. But it wasn't it wasn't as short as you thought it was. And once he was invested in watching that list get longer, it did it did help him. Yeah. I also think that they often uh, we tend to want to put some make sense of the list. So it's like, oh, they only eat fruit or they only eat white foods. And that actually ends up having this reductive effect <laughs> where it feels like they don't eat a lot because all the foods are white foods. And it's like, well, actually, like bread, yogurt, cheese, you know, there's quite a number of things on that list. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of opportunities. I do think that when you write it down and look at it with kind of an open mind, you can start to see the connections like you were saying, Amy, about how you can build on that. Like, well, scallion cream cheese, then maybe I can add scallion to something else. Like, I don't know, scrambled eggs, mm -hmm. probably not, but you know what I'm saying? And kind of build out like that. You can kind of see new patterns that help you expand instead of them feeling like they reduce. Yeah, that's smart. And you, Margaret, have had a good tip about um, helping your kids sort of coexist with the things, the unfamiliar with always having a familiar. Yeah. So that's something whoever was saying rolls. It's like we always for a while, my pickiest eater, the one thing he would eat in the world was like canned biscuits, biscuits like the pop out of the can. And um, so we always had those. So like he always knew there was something because he would just get so much anxiety. What's for dinner? He would start asking me at nine o'clock in the morning because he was so he would worry all day. Like, what if yeah. there's nothing I like? What if it's weird? What if I, you know? And so that helps a lot. I think one familiar food always. It's kind of like, OK, they have their safety net and then they can feel a little safer exploring around. Did you talk to your kids about how they could advocate for themselves when they were without you and had to eat, whether it was with grandma or, you know, an aunt or a friend's house. Yes. <laughs> in a Tell threatening, us. in a threatening way <laughs> and in an helpful way, <laughs> depending on whose house they were going to. Okay. So grandma, you scream at her. <laughs> if it's the neighbor we're trying to impress, you act like you eat artichokes. I don't care. Just choke <laughs> them down and then I will give them. you a peanut butter and sandwich, jelly sandwich when you come home. <laughs> and don't tell her we go to Wendy's four times a month. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely think and that's a lot of I mean, we again, it's annoying and it's really it's a lot to have to do. But like this is like the role of that family dinner, you know, like this is basically how we behave at a table. And when you're at someone else's house, like, listen, you can always eat a lot of the roll and a little bit of the dinner, you know, but you 
have to practice that stuff to keep from this is the huge tantrum happening at the neighbor's house because they served chicken that's like been grilled and has weird black streaks on it. You know, <laughs> it's like that's chicken. You're fine. <laughs> Just take a bite and then live on the rolls if you need to. But like this is how you are gracious about other people's food. And then what about if someone if grandma's like, oh, you won't eat this or you won't eat that or like tries to force. We've had a, actually there was a question in our listeners group about what to do in the holidays when relatives would intervene and do the opposite. So, Amy, you were talking about how relatives would be like, oh, he's so picky. But then there are relatives who are like, come on, just eat it. Like, you have to finish what's on your plate. And they would intervene that way, being kind of pushers. That's a tough one. I think I would, if it would be hard, once I knew that that person was likely to be that way, I probably would sidebar with my kid ahead of time and say, you know, Uncle Joe might say that, and that doesn't mean that you have to do it, and it's okay. Like, we, we would sidebar ahead of time about, Going into a cookout, my kids going into a cookout, my kids' chin would be quivering. Right, what, what, what am I going to eat? And so we we'd figure out, okay, you can have a roll with ketchup on it, and that's going to be your dinner, and you're going to be fine. And because um, I never wanted to sort of bring his own food, we didn't have an allergy situation, so I wanted to teach him that he could make something work. Uh, but yeah, he'd be worried on the way in, so we'd sort of sidebar ahead of time. So that's what I would tell that person to do. But that's. That's really tough. And I think then you probably also have to have out of your side of the kid a more difficult conversation with that person and explain to them if your kid, you know, has issues around eating, like you're on it, you're working on it, but telling them they have to eat it has definitely not worked for you in the past. I have dealt with the situation. My husband is from the South and we have been with relatives and some people, I don't know, maybe I'm besmirching the south god forbid but no i'm agreeing with you i think there's something a little bit like you will eat what is served that is like very southern and like and it extends to things beyond the table like you will call people sir and ma'am and like Mm -hmm. there's just stuff that my kids are not used to doing my general default is your house your rules so i generally try to live within the rules of whatever house we're in and i have my kids do that as well and so, but we've definitely had this with like food it was like baked beans or something my kids have never seen before. And I will go in and kind of like take the hit a little bit and be like, so sorry, I'm a terrible mom. My kids are crazy, but they don't really like baked beans because we're uncivil and we never serve them. So like apologies <laughs> in advance when my kids freak out when they see them, whatever it is. Like I try to kind of grease the wheels a little bit beforehand, yes. but I will also in the car tell my kids like, by the way, we're going to like great Nana Sue's house and at great Nana Sue's house, you're eating what's on your plate. Just joke it down. Like, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to have a conversation with great Nana Sue where she realizes that like <laughs> we have new thoughts about eating. Like, no, <laughs> just I will like give you three ice creams afterwards if you can choke this down. Do they actually eat it? <laughs> I mean, would your kids actually or would they just pretend I would tell my pretend. kid like if you're really key, I just push it around a little bit. Yeah. And I, I mean, I try, I mean, of course, it involves just mostly lying. I'm like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing, but we had a long trip here and I stopped and got the kids a snack and they might not be that hungry, but they love your like Creole rice weirdness, but it's just weird. They're not that hungry. Like you just kind of, but I I think 
trying to explain to people that their rules are wrong or trying to explain to your kids. It's just kind of like you just got to zhuzh it a little bit, I think, in those situations. I, I totally agree. I'm not Southern, but I'm first generation Greek. Okay, and same same difference, yeah. right? It's like people who just they've got strong no. opinions about how people should behave around food. I mean, I think that my grandmother once like berated my mother at the dinner table because I refused to eat octopus. And I wasn't even right. a picky eater. I was just like, that is... You're like, that's a Tentacle. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's classic. And she was like, what's wrong with you? You're raising your child all wrong. <laughs> like, right. Okay. okay. Well, we don't really serve octopus as a matter of course, now that we're not like living on the ocean. But all right, mom. <laughs> um. <laughs> I do think the well-meaning person weighing in is usually coming from a place of this really just needs to be explained to you, mom. And then you'll know that you just make them eat it, what's on their plate, and then they'll be fine. I think they really think that you just haven't picked up on that bit of knowledge yet and the world will be a better place. And I, the flip side of that is we think when we hear it that it is an indictment of everything we are as parents. Yes. And, right. and so you've got to let go of that a little bit too. Like, wow, your kids don't eat anything. I'll go home and for six weeks, wake up at three o'clock in the morning and be like, that person thinks I'm a bad mom. They're just making an offhanded comment. They, they don't care that much, you know? It's like... So I think from both sides, you have to take, I think we overemphasize this thing of like, someone said something about my child's weight and we don't talk about weight anymore. It's 2020 and we know about it. It's like, if, if, if that person could influence your kid, you would have them over every day because you would want them to be like, do your homework without complaining. They, nobody has that much influence on your kid. Your kid is influenced from inside your house. That's such a good point that nobody talks about because we're all just trying to help, right? I mean- I, Megan, even you and I, like, we try to keep this non-judgmental. We try to incorporate as many points of view as possible. But, like, we are trying to share information that we hope helps parents. And I'm yes. sure sometimes we step on toes. But we're oh, we're not absolutely. judging. We're just trying to help because we know so many parents are struggling with this. And you're so right, Margaret. Like, if someone could come in and say something that would fix their picky eating, you'd do it in a heartbeat. Right, you'd pay them to come to your yes. house. Also, that person would be making a billion dollars. That too. Right. right. Okay, I want to ask one question to, like, wrap things up, which I think will be fun, which is, what is the worst piece of, like, feeding your kids or picky eating advice that you've ever gotten? Can be from a doctor or, like, another mom friend, your parents. If it's a mom Sue. friend, please name them. <laughs> and post a picture of them online. Yes. Just kidding. Call them out in the comments. Yes. Give their address and phone number. <laughs> I lived the worst piece of picky eating advice, which was my parents got an omelet maker for Christmas one year. I don't know why you need a separate machine to make an omelet. Because <laughs> it's Christmas. They needed they had something. one. Right. So and they were making omelets. And uh, I had a thing and still have a thing about eggs just don't really like them i can choke down an omelet today but only if it's filled with like every single thing that i love totally agree eggs are gross my dad made an omelet and you know i don't like it why don't you don't think you like it you never tried it before and it was you were going to sit there and you were going to finish it and you were not going to get up until you finish it and i finished it and then i uh it up all over the floor and to this day hate eggs so that is not yeah. the right thing to do with a picky eater there your parents got that <laughs> <laughs> serves you right dad merry christmas dad <laughs> i'm gonna go wide with my answer because amy had such a good specific one i feel like all the eating advice i've gotten has been pretty bad i mean there are <laughs> nuggets that work really well for my family so like we try to lean in on like 
serve a wide range of things. Basically the old, I think it's um, baby mine or whatever. They're like, you choose what to serve kids church chooses what to eat has worked pretty well for us. But even within that, like I have a kid who would only eat a dinner roll every night for a year. And like, I don't allow that. So I have to be like, you have to take three bites of steak before I'll give you another roll. So it, it advice that works for your kid is good advice. And no matter how good the advice is advice, that does not work for your family is bad advice. Yes. I also think that that's, that would help a lot. If you're someone who is, feels compelled to give advice. I'm talking to myself right now. I feel like (laughs) part of it is how you give the advice and like how you frame it. Like if you're just saying like, I don't know, hey, this worked for me. Like maybe it'll work for you. Think about if it's something you want to try versus like going in and being like, oh, well, you know, your child's going to become a drug addict if you don't eat dinner together every night. So like you need to do X, Y, and Z. I don't know. Also, I have like a slight problem with authority sometimes. So that would make me be like, no, like F you go away. But if someone's like a friend and just sharing what's worked for them and kind of throwing it out there, that feels so much more manageable. I just remembered something that totally worked for me for about two weeks. It just like, (laughs) you know, came to me. Recovered memory. 14 days. So good on us. With this picky eater. My child was about five at the time, like wouldn't eat anything. And, you know, what's this? It looks weird. And I said, uh, okay, I'm, I'm going to ask you something. Who's your favorite Yankee? And he was like, uh, CC Sabathia was his favorite Yankee at the time. Okay, like Sabathia, S-A-B-A-T-H-I-A. That's eight. You have to eat eight bites. And he was like, okay. And he did it. And then, and then the, next, the next day, I'd be like, what's your favorite fruit? Pineapple. Okay, pineapple. It's 10 letters. You have to eat. It worked for like three weeks. And he never caught on that he should say, grape instead of pineapple and have fewer <laughs> bites. He would always answer honestly and say something really long. And then we count out the letters and he would eat as many bites as I told him. He thought it was the best game. And then eventually, of course, he kind of got wise to it. But it worked for three weeks. And in those three weeks, all of a sudden he was eating chicken and eggplant. And, you know, it, we, we got like three or four new foods in that way. So That's I amazing. think just be creative and try something. You never know what's going to tickle their fancy. Right. And you get them thinking about something else and then they'll eat it. Totally. And don't feel discouraged if it only lasts a couple of weeks, whatever right. you're trying. Right. Try right, something new. those couple of weeks. Exactly. Yeah. It's worth it. Well, this has been so great, you guys. We really had so much fun talking to you guys about picky eating. And hopefully it answers the continual stream of questions that we get about picky eating advice. <laughs> it won't, but it's worth yes, a try. It will not. <laughs> but we're trying. It'll, it'll get better, right? Like I said, yeah. I come from the future to tell you it, it, it can get better. They will start eating eventually if you just keep putting it in their path without uh, fighting. Okay, I laughed so hard with Amy and Margaret. I was having to like mute my mic a lot to not just sound ridiculous. Oh, like, I probably should have done that. But I appreciate that, like, they've both had different experiences. I mean, we've had different experiences and uh, that they've also we've all had those bad experiences of people telling us what we should be doing with our kids around food. And they each have a little different way of of approaching it. Megan, have you ever been that person who's given the unwanted picky eating advice? Uh, Like inadvertently. Probably, probably 100%. I know. I'm sure I have been too. I actually think about this a lot. Like I have a a nephew who's now 13 and he has some sensory issues. And the very one, like I was in culinary school and I flew home for Thanksgiving. I made this very elaborate Thanksgiving dinner and I put 
like everything on his high chair tray. <laughs> Being like, oh, well, he should just like, if it, it's exposure. And he had such a textural issue that he like ate a little bite of cranberry sauce and it caused him to gag and just throw oh. up everything. <laughs> exposure. And that was before I had kids. And I would never, ever do that again against the advice of my my sister, who was the parent in charge and who was like, yeah, he really, you know, we kind of like limit what he eats. I was like, oh, but cranberry sauce, like he might like to try it. That's hilarious. And maybe that ruined Thanksgiving. So there's that. Have you ever been <laughs> the Oh, I'm I'm positive. And actually, I can one-up you, not with that story, because that's the funniest. But, um, you know, before I was focused in on food, I had gone to graduate school for developmental psychology, specifically to work in media, like informal educational settings, because my passion was like, how can I help educate kids and families through digital media and television and radio and all that good stuff? And so, you know, when I first graduated, (laughs) I got a job at Sesame Workshop. They're the producers of Sesame Street. Um, But I was working in their creative development department. So I was working on new projects. And what they did was they had people from the traditional creative development discipline, you know, people who were writers and had developed shows before, hit shows. And then they would have one person from the education and research team on the creative development team for every project. And I was that person. And their shorthand for it used to be like, oh, well, I'm the voice of the child. Like, I'll look at a script and I can tell you what I think they'd understand or not understand or storyboards for cartoons and make sure there was continuity that a kid could, you know, get grasp, et cetera. But I didn't have kids (laughs) when I started that job. And so, I mean, I was really freaking good at my job. I was, but like I was giving advice as quote unquote, the voice of the child, having never like lived day in and day out with a child. And I cringe imagining some of the things I would have said, you know, like the textbook things I'm sure were good and solid advice. You know, the things that you have to do when you're producing a television show for kids. But I'm sure I thought I understood kids way more than I really did. So it goes beyond food. I've put my foot in my mouth across many, many topics. When it comes to children, <laughs> isn't that lovely? Uh, it really Proud is. I don't long even career. I really don't even want to look back and think about some of the things <laughs> I said to people who were parents. Oh, it's embarrassing. <sighs> we were all that parent once. It's true. I think we were. Well, listen, guys, if you're struggling with a picky eater, I think the big takeaway from this is it really is quite possible that it's going to pass completely on its own. So just figuring out how to get through this season and the next one that your kid serves up is like, is your job. How to do it in a loving way that doesn't cause you tons of stress and your kid tons of stress, right? I mean, yeah. What more is there to it? And hey, if they can eat different shapes of chicken nuggets, you are well on your way to success. Totally. Or if they only like yogurt and cheese and white food, it's fine. It's fine. That probably won't last forever. Yeah, it won't. I'd like to know. Do you think there's a grown-up who who still only eats white bread, cheese, I have one grown-up friend. Yes. Really? But, like, he should have been – he should have had help as a child with his piggy eating. 
and he didn't, and it's manifested as a grown-up. And he's a person who, like, travels the world now for his job, and he has to, like, pack the foods that he will eat. Okay, but isn't there then something else at this point? Is there, like, a larger anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder? (laughs) We are, like, calling out your friend on the show. Wow. I'm pretty sure he won't listen, so. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think that as parents, maybe when we see our kids struggling around food in some way, the key is not to solve the food problem, but to like really think about how we can help support our kids with whatever else might be underlying it. And then if there's really nothing underlying it, then it's, then it probably is just a phase or something they'll grow out of or just their tastes or whatever. And like, let's not beat ourselves up over that. Yeah. Let's play the long game by cooking foods that we enjoy too. And we enjoy eating and we enjoy cooking and, I mean, I'll tell you, we are in a season where a a plate of cut up apples, cucumbers, and sometimes nuts sits in the middle of our table because I want to try new recipes and not everyone is game to eat that. And I am not going to stress out about it at the table and we are not going to talk about it. Like they're not going to yuck on my yum and they can eat the snacky bits in the middle of the table and no one's going hungry. Yep. That's one great idea if it works for you. I'm sure there are a million others, and you can probably find them in our listeners group. I was just going to say, do you want more unsolicited advice from us? (laughs) (laughs) And from a thousand other people, literally. Join our private listeners group on Facebook. You'll be prompted to answer the question about what our favorite cocktail is. And the answer is whiskey. And don't at us. Whiskey with an ice cube is totes a cocktail. You can also find us as Didn't I Just Feed You on Instagram, where I am at Megan underscore Splawn and Stacy is at Stacy Billis. We link to all of these things in the show notes, too, if you need them. Most importantly, subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You so you don't miss a single episode. And if you like what you hear, tell your friends about us and leave a review on iTunes. It makes a really big difference. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jamando. A huge thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. Isaac, is Dad a good cook? When he's making orzo risotto. Otherwise. Okay, wait. Does Dad make good breakfasts? That's his job every day. Yeah. He puts yogurt in a bowl and pours syrup on it. (laughs) Nobody's good at it.